Hello and welcome to the planet today. It is Monday, February 20th, 2023. Happy President's Day to everyone in the States. I hope you are enjoying a nice day off from work if you have one. Today is also my dad's birthday, so happy birthday, dad, and thank you for all your support over the years and uh, also for being a listener of this show. Here on TPT, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here by myself, because we are about to air my interview with James Leitner of Mission Clean Water. Before we get into things, here's a quick note from one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Today on TPT, we are joined by James Leitner. James is the founder and executive director of Mission Clean Water, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to providing clean water for areas in need. James, welcome back to the planet today. Thank you, Matt, for having me. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful to be back, and uh, it's great to be here talking to you again. Yeah, always a good time. And for anyone who hasn't heard our first interview, it was last year. Uh, James is one of my good friends that I met through the University of Delaware. Our first interview spoke more in detail about what Mission Clean Water does, how it started, and James's story. But today we're going to be focusing on one thing only, his recent trip to Uganda for Mission Clean Water. So first off, how long were you in Uganda and what was the goal of your trip this time? Sure. So for any listeners that aren't familiar, you know, we focus on clean water and sanitation projects for underserved communities and have been working in Uganda pretty since pretty much since day one of the um, you know inception of our nonprofit, and the last time we were in Uganda was about two years ago, and we flew uh, heading there. I think right around this time, uh, right as this thing called COVID was becoming very popular and becoming very mainstream, not yet in the United States. And then by the time we landed, me and my colleague both realized like, oh my goodness, this is much more serious than we thought. And so we haven't been able to go back for two years. One, because of um, the initial impact of COVID and everything. We were supposed to go back last year, right around this time again, but that was when the Omicron variant pretty much canceled everything again. And so uh, this was pretty much our closest and first opportunity to head back. And the main objective of this trip, as of right now, we have about uh, six completed clean water projects. Uh, and our projects are a little, I would say, medium scale in terms of community-wide solutions that focus on distribution and filtration of uh, water. And 
the main part of this trip was, you know, in this two year span of not being there, there are some of our earlier projects, which have been operational for a few years now, and some projects that have been completed for communities I've never visited or really known. We've put full trust in our Ugandan staff to implement and develop. And so it was to just kind of see things and get new videos, get new photos and see how the progress of some of these projects are that are a few years completed to just recently completed and really get an idea of the impact that is present. And in total, I want to say this trip was about 14 days in terms of like departure to landing, but it's like two full days to get there, two full days to get back. So I want to say it was about nine days on the ground. It was a little compact, which is unfortunate. It was like, all right, we're kind of settled in day one. We're at this community, day two here, day three here, so on, so on, so on. And then it was like, all right, time to head back to the airport. And I was like, oh my goodness. So it was very intensive. Um, but a very productive trip. Awesome. And and for people who haven't listened to the first interview, first of all, go back and do that really awesome episode. Uh, we're going to link it in the show notes. But also, James brought up his Ugandan staff with Mission Clean Water. And what's important there is his organization really focuses on community involvement. And I remember one of the things that you pointed out to me that you do differently is a lot of people and a lot of organizations with great intentions will go to places that are underserved and don't have as much access to clean water. And they'll put in these wells and just kind of be like, great, we did it, job done. And yeah. it doesn't succeed. I remember you pointing out that your team really focuses on getting the community involved and making sure that these wells will be producing clean water long after you are not working there directly. So it's great to hear that, you know, one of the first things that you said was we really trusted our Ugandan staff. No, definitely. Um, you know, they are ex extremely knowledgeable individuals, all born and raised in Uganda, and if not more educated than, you know, a lot of people you and I know that are mm -hmm. very well college and college or master's degree educated. And, um, you know, it's a very strong community approach. And, you know, to a degree, these people are from these communities. They are in these areas. They know how it operates so much more smoothly than we do. Um, so, you know, their insight is much more uh, important than, you know, myself, which is from the United States. Yeah, we had an interview earlier this year uh, with um, an organization that does a lot of wildlife preservation and like anti-deforestation in the Amazon. And one of the things that the guest, her name was Samantha Zwicker, pointed out to me was like, no one knows this area better than the people who live there. So it's important yeah. to not go in and be like, I know how to fix it. I know what we're doing. Like, you need community involvement. Definitely. No, it's super important. And like, I guess, a, you know, the kind of better picture, you know, a lot of these areas we're working in are very rural locations of Uganda. And this one family owns this specific plot of land. They farm on it. They have different agricultural practices. And they are on this plot of land every single day. They are noticing the changes in weather, the changes in water patterns. They are pretty much present and able to see everything. And, you know, they can tell us the past that the rivers have changed and, oh, it's very late for the dry season. And all these specifics that, you know, people in the United States for go to college for to get ecology degrees, but they're just in the land every single day. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That makes a lot of sense. So 
going back to what we were talking about earlier before my little tangent, um, how would you say that your team did on accomplishing the goal of the trip? Uh, it went very well. It, again, was tightly packed. We wish we had a little more time there. But in terms of learning what we wanted to and uh, spending different amount of times in different communities was definitely very informative. And to we've learned a lot of very good things happening. We've learned a lot of okay things happening that need to be addressed, which we can talk about shortly. Um but, you know, what is nice is, you know, we do complete regular impact and follow through studies and mm -hmm. our Ugandan team is providing us up to date information and not really hiding anything, which is great to see uh, the impact with each of the projects is really more than we expected or anticipated in terms of taking away a dirty water resource and making clean water available year round. The everything from the health education to economic impact has been a lot more than we expected. So it's been absolutely wonderful to see everything. And um, we are getting the results that we expected. I guess to add to it, we didn't realize how deeper uh, it has really gone. That's great. And that's definitely better than being on the other side and being like, you know, we were really expecting this to do a lot more. <laughs> No, 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 of course. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every clean water project has its challenges. Yeah. Uh, and because like in the end, this is this is putting in infrastructure uh, and there's little bumps in the road that are unique to every single project, even though every project or a majority of ours have been groundwater distribution style projects. Project one does look different than project two, and they're two completely different communities that have two different ways of operating and functioning. And, you know, I'm very happy that they're willing to be transparent with us so we all can learn and develop together. Gotcha. So that's actually a, a perfect segue into my next question. You brought up learning. What is something that you and your team learned while you were there that maybe you weren't expecting to discover this time around? Sure. So I guess what we can talk about two things. One is something really, really good. And then the other one is positive, but needs addressing. Uh, the really good one is some of what I mentioned before, the benefits that we weren't really expecting. So for example, in this area of Uganda, their weather patterns are more of a wet season and dry season. And during that dry season, it doesn't rain at all for like six months. But now these communities have water available year round. And throughout the entire community are like five different collection points people can go and collect water. In some communities, people realized oh, there's a lot of people just hanging around this water collection point a little later into the day. I'm going to build a market there and start selling things. And so we've had a few little entrepreneurs selling, um, you know, home goods to little mm -hmm. candies and have a little side business that's thriving in some of these locations, which of course has had full community approval. And then with having clean water available year round, when you didn't have it at all, six months beforehand, you visit these communities and they're lush and green and they pretty much have water available to to care for their crops and even their livestock are healthier and they're able to sell their livestock more at marketplaces. But in our first community that we worked with, Agiri Goroi, um, who's been going ongoing for about uh, three years now, um, they now have so much excess crops that they created a local market 
uh, in their community, funny enough, named Dubai, uh, where they're selling local crops and people are now coming from outside their community to buy it because they have such access, which, you know, is wonderful to see. And not only do you see the, you know, changes within the community, but also the economic benefit and development. It's like kind of moving them forward one step along the economic ladder, which is very much fantastic. That's that's really cool too, that, you know, your initial goal going in was you, you're finding these communities that do not have access to clean water. And, and one of the things that uh, really stuck with me when we talked last time was there's a lot of women in these communities that are walking thousands of miles a year just to get clean water for their family. And, you know, your original goal is go in there and remedy that problem. And now here you are impacting food security. So it, it's cool how, I mean, this is the most basic sentence I'm going to say ever, but like water really is a staple of life. And you're seeing that and right exactly. <laughs> it should be a basic human right. Yeah. Um, uh, trying to avoid the Nestle tangent, but um, <laughs> I was yeah, just I mean, thinking, course, <laughs> I know, I, I know, of course, the primary goals have always been to provide, to eliminate waterborne illnesses and give people their time back, which has happened, um, you know, in most of these communities, uh, take these numbers lightly because we're just trusting, We there's no data we can really collect from besides going into communities and um, talking to them, but, you know, of the people we interview, 80% say they've experienced a reduction in water illnesses. Um, their time to collect water has decreased to the point where they don't really have to think about it anymore, which is phenomenal. As well as one thing we didn't expect is because most women were spending three, four hours to walk and collect water, now they have more time at home to care for things. There's also been reports of a decrease in domestic abuse issues because now women have more time at home to cook, clean, whatever they might need, take care of the household, take care of the children, and just have things prepared uh, and uh, you know be readily available and local, which is also something yeah. we did not expect as well. But it was something a lot of communities did voice and did share about. So that was uh, something very unexpected. That's that's great, too. And something that I'd be curious about, and I have no idea if you have any way of knowing this, with that extra time, I wonder if there's like an increase in education for for women as well. That is, I'm not too sure. Um, we have, now that water has been addressed, the, pretty much across the board in multiple communities, the main issue they do share about is now that water is solved, the other thing is adult literacy. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, things that you and I would often overlook, like it's having a level of literacy where it's, so if you're at the market selling crops, you know how to properly give change and not get ripped off. Or if you bring your child to the doctor, you can read their name and know what a prescription says and know what street signs say, simple things like that, that you and I might overlook or something like that, um, which is uh, very interesting to hear about. Uh, the one thing I do know for uh, more for the youth is that instead of walking in the mornings to go and collect water, they can now just go to school. Cool. And because they aren't, you know, lugging around 45 pounds of water uh, to start their day in a little CrossFit workout, they, uh, <laughs> you know, now have more energy and are in SVT in school. So teachers do share that higher participation is prevalent and present. We don't have like an exact number uh, that they provided us. Yeah, that was something that I was just kind of spitballing and was perfectly uh, ready to cut that out of the interview if you didn't have an answer. So 
that was great. <laughs> that, was, that was more no, than was I was expecting. But um, so then th there's the other thing, you know, we talked about the really good things happening, then that there are other good things happening, um, but stuff that needs to be addressed. And so, for example, right now, there's two of our projects. Uh, now, the way these projects are designed is that you can never use them past their sustainable flow rate. Um, so, you know, when we, for the people that don't know how groundwater works, we pretty much define how much water is below us and how long the community has access or is going to be able to use it for. And they have the ability to pump that water using solar energy. So it never goes past the point that they would risk making the groundwater completely disappear. Mm -hmm. Now, two of our projects were for very specific geographical regions or like a population, I guess you can say, like a school or one particular community. But like we said before, when you're dealing with a basic human right and climate change is happening and the dry seasons are getting much longer, people need water. And as a result, communities that were neighboring, like for example, this one school that we did a project for, they were like, listen, we really need water. Can we access your project? Uh, that'd be really wonderful. And, you know, I am not there to be like, no, or yes, that is our community's role and our Ugandan staff's role to be involved with. That's not my um, role to be hands-off is what I'm trying to focus on. And, Projects designed for 2,500 people are now being used by 5,000, 6,000 people. And so as a result, these projects still being used properly during the dry season come midday, no longer have enough water for everyone. Mm -hmm. What that looks like is this water is filled, this water is sent to storage tanks and pretty much those storage tanks don't have a time to fill up to meet the demand that currently wants water. So come sundown, uh, some people aren't able to collect or just kind of have to wait a little bit longer. And so for two projects in particular, uh, there's just a lot more demand than we originally expected that we are trying to address in 2023. Gotcha. So that might be what your answer to my next question would have been, but I'm going to ask this one anyway. Were there any unforeseen challenges during this trip? You know, maybe you knew about that one coming into it and, and there was something else that popped up that was unexpected or was this kind of everything went according to plan? <laughs> we'll just have to cut this question a little bit back into the presentation <laughs> or the talk. Um, I mean, so those were the main issues that we were experiencing. Uh, the other one, which is an ongoing challenge in battle, is, you know, full community involvement with clean water projects. You know, we do have a water user committee around to kind of tell the communities how things are being maintained and uh, to be transparent on how things are being used. Um, you know, we would like to see a bigger level of involvement from the community members themselves, uh, just so everyone has an understanding of how things are. Uh, they have the um, financial resources to fix any issues that do come up. So just so all those things are um, prevalent and there. Then there is another project. Clean water is flowing, um, but this was the main one being completed like during, I guess, the, I guess you can say like the heart of the lockdown for mm -hmm. COVID and everything. And so this project just took much longer to complete because we couldn't get you know, people to work there, even community members were, you know, 
housing in place and things like that in rural Uganda. Um, so that project has like one more step to complete. Uh, water is flowing. We just need to complete the, you know, security of all of like the, uh, what is it? The expensive water pumps and things like that. Gotcha. Um, but that's, that's a, I'd say those are the main issues right now. Um, what's nice is, you know, we have enough of a follow-up and our team is going to these communities to kind of just hear their voices and hear their suggestions. So I feel like most issues we're able to try and we're able to hear about them before they actually occur to address them. Gotcha. That's great. And honestly, I mean, it sounds like your Ugandan staff is is very transparent with you and very engaged in the yeah. community. And I'm sure like anything in life, communication makes everything easier. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, communication does make everything a lot easier. I mean, they're over in Uganda. So I do have to have regular midnight and 1am phone calls because they are eight hours ahead of us. But, you know, they appreciate the communication and they... They're very involved with Mission Clean Water. They know how things um, operate and develop. They know my situation. They know their own personal situation. And an initiative we had in 2022, which I think has helped get has helped them become more involved, is and we're still working on this. Is we because we're working in other countries and in other communities, um, we want to change the narrative and have more leadership roles within those communities themselves. So two of our staff do also fit on our board of directors, just so they have the opportunity to speak um, on behalf of the country of Uganda and the communities that we, uh, that we work in. Great. Yeah. So last question for you, what is next for mission clean water, maybe this year or beyond? Sure. So this year, uh, quite a few things. Uh, so in 2023, a lot of our efforts are going to be used to look at those two issues we shared before, uh, addressing the increase in water demand in some of our current projects. Um, we are also have two other projects we've been working on diligently in Uganda as well that are almost completed, which is very exciting. Nice. And then we are working on a kind of new initiative where we are using a technology called biosand filters for anyone unfamiliar if you were to magic if you if you were to imagine pretty much a giant garbage can uh, inside it are different levels of gravel that when water is poured through it and there's a little pipe at the bottom the gravel pretty much naturally filters out all of the impurities of the water and out comes clean water and we are trying to use these biosand filters to address clean water issues in communities where groundwater or collecting rainwater is not an option, specifically communities off the shores of Lake Kyoga, which is very close to where we work. It's a very, very big lake in Uganda. And um, they rely on lake water to drink, but groundwater around them has very high fluoride content, which is unsafe to drink, which is ironic because we put it in our, our drinking water. Um, and so we're working with a, another team to begin addressing these issues. Um, before, in the beginning of 2022, we put five systems that are operational, um, amazing results. And so by the summer of 2023, we want to have 100 systems operational. And then uh, we are also currently working on some efforts here domestically in the United States.
Awesome. So James, first of all, thank you so much. Your time is, is always very, very appreciated as you know, a, a colleague, but also as a friend. I, I love having you on the show and getting to hear more about what you and what Mission Clean Water are up to. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always wonderful to be on and share uh, some notes. If people want to keep up with Mission Clean Water, where is the best place for them to do that? The best places to do so are to simply visit our website, which is missioncleanwater.org, as well as we have an Instagram account, which I do upload to daily, which is missioncleanh2o. Those are probably the best ways of getting uh, in contact with us. And if you do go to the website and go to our contact us page, I respond directly. And same thing with the Instagram. Awesome. So awesome. I will link both of those in your show notes. If you're listening now and you didn't do so last time, swipe up, give them a follow on Instagram and go, go check out their website. All right, James, just like last time, we end every interview with three fun rapid fire questions. I'm going to listen back to the old one and see if your answers have changed in the last year. I know the animal is not going to change, but go ahead. All right. Number one, what's your favorite animal? Every animal is a squirrel. It's yeah. always going to be a squirrel. I love squirrels. <laughs> I, I did remember that one. <laughs> yeah. Number two, and this one always seems silly to ask people after talking about, you know, their journey and what they're doing in the environment. But what is something that you do to be more sustainable in your own life? Um, what am I doing recently? Uh, I would say recently, I've actually gotten to a little kick of looking and researching how to make your own soaps and shampoos and things. Cool. Uh, so that's actually something a little bit different. Uh, but haven't fully committed to it because you kind of have to buy a few products, but something that's just fun and doesn't use a lot of plastic waste. Nice. All right. Last one. What is one environmental topic you think my listeners should be more aware of after hearing from you today? Uh after hearing from me, you know, I think the big thing is we all should be conscious of how we are using water. The situation with water is going to be very different in a few years, as we all could imagine. Uh, and if you're drinking tap water, you should buy a Brita filter, not sponsored by them. <laughs> not not an ad unless they want to throw some money. At yeah, this. Exactly. Hey, Brita. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you again. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it, Matt. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Thanks again to James for his time today. If you would like to donate to Mission Clean Water, make sure to go to the link in your show notes to go help out an awesome, awesome organization. Nick and I will be back on Friday for some quick hits to get you into your weekend. But until then, make sure to follow along on our socials at Planet Today Pod for more TPT. For the Planet Today, I am Matt Norden. See you on Friday. <laughs>